0: WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa. Any opinions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not represent the thoughts or opinions of 90.7 WVUA or the University of Alabama. This was Kevin McCarthy's life's work. This was his dream. This was his goal, to become Speaker of the House. And he did absolutely everything that he could to ensure that he would become Speaker, except to make deals with the opposition party. But he tried. Oh, Lord, he tried. And he became Speaker. But was it worth it? For the shortest Speakership since 1876, the first ever Speakership to be vacated via a motion to vacate, The first ever successful motion to vacate the Speaker's office, was it worth it for a speakership that lasted for a shorter time than the average pregnancy, less than nine months? Was it worth it? Was it, Kevin? Was it? I don't think so. Welcome to season 2 episode 11 of Pulse of the Nation. I am your host, Braden Vick, and with, with, I have to, for a second, I have to address, you know, the editing at the end of season 2 episode 10, or if it has been added, the fire alarms because the there were faults the fire alarms were faulty in the last minute or so of the broadcast they went off twice I apologize for that but the fire alarms let's just say they were about as faulty as Kevin McCarthy's speakership because I'm sure everybody's heard of it Kevin McCarthy's political career is now over pretty much because on Tuesday and this is being recorded on the Wednesday this is being recorded on a Wednesday. So this is going on on the Saturday. A lot will have changed over the next few days before this episode gets released. So I'm keeping everything current as of the time of recording. This is very important because there is a lot to get through with this first episode about why Kevin McCarthy, now no longer has a political career. you ever seen the book about the young guns, the future conservative leaders? You had Eric Cantor, Paul Ryan, and Kevin McCarthy all in that book, that story, about how these conservative leaders are gonna be the future of the Republican Party? Well, let me tell you what happened to them. In 2014, Eric Cantor, who was essentially going to be a future Speaker of the House, a future GOP leader in the House, He got primaried out by a more conservative candidate, Dave Ratt, and he was essentially the Republican version of Joe Crowley. If you don't know who Joe Crowley is, he was a future House Democratic leader, and he got primaried by AOC in 2018 in New York City. Paul Ryan resigned in 2018 after it became very clear not only you had the factional differences in the party, but also that he himself was in danger of losing re-election in a southeast Wisconsin-based district. Now, he probably would have won re-election. It would have been a lot closer than he would have liked. But also the fact that this party was going to lose a net of 40 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives that year, which they did. So he's gone. And now Kevin McCarthy. A lame, not even a lame duck, a relegated to a mere backbencher and before we get into any blame games let's just start with how we got here and i'm not going to be talking about the debt limit fight i'm going to start on the more immediate events a 45-day continuing resolution funding of the government in relation to the 12 appropriation spending bills he promised house republicans he would pass and he ended up getting votes on some of them i think less than half of them but the government was going to shut down. Like there was real concerns that the government was going to imminently shut down because not only could the House of Representatives not pass anything due to opposition from arch conservative Republican legislators, you also have the fact that anything the House passes is passes; it's immediately dead on arrival in the United States Senate, which is controlled by a Democratic and independent majority of 51 senators led by chuck schumer who would obviously now as opposed to the debt limit fight actually has a lot of leverage in this situation because when the house isn't passing anything now that means the house is similar to where the senate was the senate essentially had to swallow whatever biden mccarthy ended up you know creating in their negotiations Now, it could have been, the government would have shut down, and then the House could have been forced to swallow, you know, whatever a negotiation between Biden, McCarthy, and Schumer would have brought about. Because you add Schumer in there, now it becomes a much more liberal, you know, either continuing resolution or government funding bill than you would have gotten if it was just Biden and McCarthy, or if it was Biden, McCarthy, and McConnell. So, you have that situation. And then, you know, you're trying to make sure that government spending isn't that big. You're trying to decrease spending and whatnot. And then when push comes to shove, Kevin McCarthy cracks under pressure. And let's be completely honest. Most speakers would in this situation. They would have done a similar thing to what Kevin McCarthy did, in which he ended up offering a 45-day continuing resolution that had disaster aid in it, government funding for 45 days and nothing else and this was at fiscal year 2023 level so this wasn't going to reduce spending and nearly half the gop caucus balked at this like this ended up getting more democratic votes than republican ones by quite a good margin but it was passed the government is funded for the next month and a half this is where matt gates comes in he is a far-right House representative from Northwest Florida, Florida's first district that contains Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach, where Matt Gates is from, and other, area, and other areas along the Northwest Florida, Florida Panhandle. And so you have that situation come up because Matt Gates has been threatening for a while now that he was going to make a move to vacate the speaker because he's lost confidence in McCarthy's ability to be a conservative speaker. So you have that threat. And House GRP leadership in most of the rank and file gets extremely, extremely ticked off at Matt Gates for this essential, grand, essential grandstanding. Now, a lot of them, including Kevin McCarthy, think this is a personal thing. That Matt Gaetz just hates Kevin McCarthy, not just in a personal dislike manner, but also because of a Health Ethics Committee investigation into Matt Gaetz's, let's say, troubled history in regards to not just ethical violations, but also his past, let's just say, sexual misdeeds. And I'm not going to go any further than that for the purposes of a WVUA podcast. But you have that, and so now you're in a situation where the compromise has been passed. There is some anger towards, anger against McCarthy towards some of the conservative holdouts. The feeling is mutual, and Kevin McCarthy and House Republican leadership and some rank and file essentially dare Matt Gates to do a motion to vacate. Like Kevin McCarthy said, like if you want, if you're gonna file a motion, then file the effing motion. And I don't know if they thought that Gates wasn't gonna file it but on Monday he filed it and what happens in a motion to vacate of course is that speaker McCarthy or any speaker has to put that up for a vote in 48 hours now one thing that can happen before the vote is that someone can bring up a motion to table that resolution as this is a House resolution and not a bill and if majority tables it then it gets killed off we don't talk about it so we go to tuesday and that is what representative tom cole of oklahoma does who represents the oklahoma panhandle in much northwest oklahoma and some parts of oklahoma city because of a republican gerrymander in the area but here's the issue right so you have the motion to table you know they're going to try and table it here's the issue two issues actually first off for how smarmy matt gates might be he wasn't lying when he said he had the requisite amount of republicans to make this a serious possibility that McCarthy's speakership could get vacated like he has the requisite republicans because you have eli crane of arizona come out for it like you have you know people like you know, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona. Again, he comes out for it as well. You have people like Representative Bob Good of Virginia come out for it. That's four. And then at this time, you realize that Representative Tim Burchett of Tennessee. He represents Knoxville. He's also for the motion to vacate. And so now you have a situation in which Speaker McCarthy is in severe danger. Because you have the five. Assuming attendance is fine, you have the five. But McCarthy was getting helped. Because at this point in time, there are two Republican absences. John Carter of Texas was out with an illness. And Apolina Luna of Florida is out on maternity leave at this point. And then you have five Democratic absences. Which is good news for McCarthy. Because it raises the number of Republicans Gates needs to bring in order to make this a serious threat. So you have Mary Poltola of Alaska. She is mourning the loss of her husband in the plane crash. May God rest his soul. Then you have Nancy Pelosi of California. Yes, she was out because she is in San Francisco at this point in time. She was with the body of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein in preparation for a funeral on Thursday. I believe it is Thursday or Friday. So she can't be in D.C. In addition, there are three other absences. You have Representative Cory Bush, a socialist representative from Missouri. She has COVID and she has a medical procedure that day that she cannot miss. So she's out. You have freshman representative, Amelia Sykes of Ohio, of the Akron area. She's out because of personal family related issue. So she's out. Then you have Representative Federica Wilson of the Miami area. And she's out for an undisclosed reason on this motion to table vote as well. However, what Kevin McCarthy didn't realize is that one, Matt Rosendale of Montana, Eastern Montana, he supports a motion to vacate. So now there's six. And now Kevin McCarthy's in extreme danger here. Because not only do you have that, you have Representative Ken Buck. Of Colorado putting out these tweets. These posts on X now, I guess, because it's not Twitter anymore. Although I will continue to call it Twitter. Now he's making these posts about how Kevin McCarthy has reneged on his deals, about how he's lied to the American people, how he's lied to these representatives. So now you have to assume there's seven Republican votes on the motion to vacate. And then you have three additional votes. You have Warren Davidson of Ohio, Victoria Sports of Indiana, and Nancy Mesa, South Carolina that are against tabling the motion. So you have that situation where not only is there going to be a full vote on the motion to vacate, but it's extremely dangerous for McCarthy in that it could pass. Because the second folly of Kevin McCarthy is him thinking that the Democrats would just end up saving him because of respect for the institution or something, and I'll get to I'll get to all that later. I'll get to why I think Kevin McCarthy is a clown, especially in that subject, later. But all Democrats vote against tabling the resolution. They are whipped by you know the House Democratic leadership, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, and you know Catherine Clark, Pete Aguilar as well. Jeffries is from New York, Clark is from Massachusetts, Aguilar is from California. So just so you know. So you have that. So the motion to table fails. Because all Democrats and 10 Republicans end up voting against it. 218 votes against tabling. So now the motion to vacate comes around. And you have six that are for sure yeses on motion to vacate. Ken Buck of Colorado leans yes on the motion to vacate. So you could assume that, okay, Victoria Sports and Warren Davidson are not going to vacate. So you have that concern dealt with. And you assume Nancy Mace isn't going to vote to vacate you either. She's regarded as one of the more centrist House Republicans. But the problem is, the six I mentioned earlier, Gates, Good, Biggs, Crane, (laughs) Rosendale, and Burchette, right now, those are enough. And if you can't be assured of Buck being for you, and you have to get two of Buck and Burchette, potentially, And not only do you get none of them, not only does Buck vote to vacate you, Nancy Mace votes to vacate you. And for Kevin McCarthy, you spent over $4.2 million on Nancy Mace to win that primary against Katie Arrington in 2020 and to win that general election against the Democratic incumbent at the time, Joe Cunningham. in California not California, for God's sake, South Carolina's first congressional district. I don't know why any charleston california mixed up apologies just as kevin mccarthy was probably mixing up you know his whip counts during this time because and that will go into a different problem with mccarthy speakership of mccarthy and his leadership team simply not knowing how to count votes and that was a major problem that will have ultimately doomed him so you've eight republicans voting for the motion to vacate but still okay you could say maybe democrats will vote for you, because they fear the replacement might be more conservative, or they might, you know, you know, respect the institution enough. At least that's the way that Steve Cohen of Tennessee and Matt Cartwright of Pennsylvania could have been. Adding. Maybe you could have gotten Democrats to vote present to lower the threshold for McCarthy to survive. Therefore, McCarthy survived pretty easily. But this is where Kevin McCarthy makes his final sin, his final mortal sin, is that he antagonized the very people whose votes he needed to keep his job on a sunday episode of face the nation what does he go and do he blames democrats for the government nearly shutting down yes democrats the same caucus who gave you the votes when and when a third of your caucus bought over the debt limit compromise the same caucus who gave you the vast majority of their caucus when almost half of your caucus bought at the 45-day continuing resolution they gave you the votes to avert a shutdown they gave you the votes to avoid the us defaulting on the debt and you want to blame them for the government shutting down in the eyes of a house democrat this simply adds on to what they already think of you which is they hate your guts and they don't think you're a trustworthy negotiator because you reneged on that debt limit compromise by pushing for steep cuts to government spending in, in this whole government shutdown fight you've already reneged any debt limit compromise they don't think you're trustworthy and what's even more hilarious is the fact you did not even think to approach them for negotiations. You didn't even make a call to Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries until the day before the motion to vacate. Which, let me pause here and ask, why did Kevin McCarthy not use the entire 48 hours to try and save his speakership? Like, he could have delayed the vote until, like, Wednesday evening. He could have done that. He has that opportunity, but he didn't. He didn't even give himself 24 hours because the motion of vacate was, I believe, filed at around 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, and the motion of vacate, or maybe it was like somewhere in the evening, and the motion of vacate vote ended up happening about 2:50 to 3 p.m. 3:10 p.m. and Central Time 3:50 10 Eastern. So he didn't even give himself 24 hours there. So that just adds on to the pile of misery for Kevin McCarthy, and. And going back to this, in your own hubris, and this isn't just for Kevin McCarthy, this is for his allies too, the absolute hubris on display to essentially, you know, take Democratic votes for granted. You see, oh, they say this on the debt limit, they say this on the government funding thing, they're going to save us on the speakership. In the eyes of House Democrats, Like, this is different. Like, yeah, making sure the US doesn't default to their debt. Make sure the US government doesn't shut down. That's one thing. It's another thing entirely for the Democratic Party to save a Republican from infighting within his own caucus. And in the eyes of Democrats, that is not the job of the Democratic Party. That is not the job of the House Democratic Caucus. That's the position the House Democratic leadership took. Like, Like, they said, quote, it's not our job to save Kevin McCarthy from his own foolishness. And that's not a direct quote, but that was pretty much the attitude. And and so because of that, because of the fact that Kevin McCarthy did everything in his power to alienate every single caucus, this wasn't just the progressives. The progressives were against saving McCarthy from the start. They were going to vacate regardless. But you had more moderate members of the House Democratic Caucus. And I'm not just talking about the new Democrats, shared by Ann Co. I'm talking about the Blue Dogs. Like, you could have saved your speakership with just Blue Dog votes, but here's the problem. Not only did you not reach out to them, but many of those Blue Dog members are the same people whose jobs you're trying to take away. Like, you're trying to defeat them in re-election. So what does the Marie Gusenkamp-Perez from Southwest Washington, or Jared Golden from rural Maine, what are they gonna think about saving the job of the man who wants to take theirs from them like they're not going to do it like they're simply not going to do it especially because there aren't any benefits to doing so because it was made very clear the day before the vote to vacate that house democrats would only consider helping mccarthy if mccarthy came to them and gave them major concessions and that did not happen whatsoever so, in the eyes of a Democrat, you basically didn't enter negotiations with us. And this is me talking, you know, as a House Democrat word. You didn't give us any major concessions. You didn't give us any concessions. You, and you antagonized us. You ticked us off to make us hate you even more than we already do. And so now your House leadership team wants to come calling us, begging us for votes to save your job? That's just not going to happen. And so Kevin McCarthy not only showed a severe lack of you know, caucus unity within his caucus, not only was he unable to unify his caucus, he simply refused to engage in negotiations with Democrats. Like, he said so. Like, he wasn't going to give any concessions to Democrats. He was going to win this with just Republican votes. The humor's on, the, on display to think that he could do that. Like, yes, this is just another example of Kevin McCarthy and his team just could not whip votes for love nor money. Like, that is a problem that has occurred throughout the entirety of Kevin McCarthy's short speakership. But unlike all the other times, unlike the rule vote where he had like 20 or 30 Republicans voting against the rule on the debt limit thing, which, like, you know, you had like 40 or so Democrats come in one by one to save McCarthy's bacon there. Not only on the debt limit bill itself, not only on, you know, the government funding thing, you thought the Democrats would save you just as Democrats had saved you in those three votes. But you should have seen like when you failed two roll votes on the same bill in one week, two roll votes in one week, you should have maybe thought Democrats aren't going to save you on everything unless you come to them. And Kevin McCarthy should have known this because he had to neg- he negotiated with Hakeem Jeffries. Like those two don't have an icy personal relationship by all accounts; they have a pretty good personal relationship. So he went to to Hakeem Jeffries, and they negotiated something on earmarks for you know House Democratic districts. And I, I think it was something about they would be given equal consideration as House Republican earmarks. And so you struck that negotiation. It could be done. There was historical background for this, recent historical background, but for whatever reason, you just didn't you didn't negotiate. And so here it is. Eighth Republicans join all Democrats in a 216 210 vote to vacate the chair. Kevin McCarthy is no longer Speaker. My voice is giving out as much as Kevin McCarthy's speakership gave out that day. And that's it for all. Kevin McCarthy's political career, as I've stated before on this episode, it is now pretty much over. What I think he'll end up doing is he'll try to essentially get his preferred successor, which I think is gonna be House Majority Leader Steve Scalise at this time. Steve Scalise is a Republican from Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, New Orleans suburbs, or you know, St. Tammany Parish and whatnot. He represents that area. So he'll try to get Steve Scalise, you know, elected in the House Republican conference and get try to get him to the speaker's role. And I think he will bow out because you have to remember, like the last two House Republican speakers, John Boehner and Paul Ryan, when it became clear that either their speakerships were not going to survive or potentially their tenures in Congress themselves weren't going to survive, they resigned. They left. And so Kevin McCarthy is going to do the same because, again, as I stated at the beginning of this episode, this was his life's work. And his life's work is gone. It's finished. It's done. And I think that is also indicative of his political career. It is done. And do you know do you know the insane thing about this? About going back to, you know, House Democrats deciding not to save him? Apparently, during the speakership elections of January, Apparently, Kevin McCarthy is saying now that Nancy Pelosi, of all people, had assured him that she'd have his back if a motion to vacate came up. And this was during uh, McCarthy's first post-speaker press conference. And let me tell you something. One, I think Kevin McCarthy is lying. Two, if he's telling him the truth, then you you had the backing of a very senior house democrat speaker Emerita pelosi you had her backing and you lost it you lost that backing thanks to your own hubris when house democrats they didn't want this situation to happen but again in their eyes they're not going to save a speaker who isn't approaching them and they're not going to save a speaker who would have done exactly what Hakeem Jeffries did if Nancy Pelosi found herself in the situation, if, you know, socialist representatives and what progressive representatives decided that, you know, Nancy Pelosi was not progressive enough for them. And so they filed a motion to vacate. And you know what Kevin McCarthy would have done in that situation? He'd have voted to vacate as well. He'd have got every single House Republican out there to vote to vacate the chair. So in essence... Hakeem Jeffries just did what any Republican would have done in his situation. And so let me talk about a few other things. First off, with McCarthy being gone from the speakership role, fundraising for the Republicans, and especially House Republicans, is going to take a severe hit. Because Kevin McCarthy, for all of his faults, was an excellent fundraiser. Kevin McCarthy could have been the best fundraiser for House Republicans, particularly California House Republicans, in modern history. Like you have John Duarte, David Valadeo, Mike Garcia, Ken Calvert, and Michelle Seal, all of them are going to represent districts that Biden won in 2024 or will win in 2024. Four out of the five represent districts Biden won in 2020. And I would also add Kevin Kiley and potentially Young Kim to that list. Like you have five to seven California House representatives who are going to be short millions of dollars, potentially, in the re-election bids. And that's going to hurt their campaign efforts. That's going to hurt their canvassing efforts. That's going to hurt TV advertising efforts. And that will eventually hurt their chances at re-election. Especially with the likes of Duarte, Valadeo, Garcia, and Calvert. Because for Duarte and Valadeo, they were just elected based off of terrible Democratic turnout in 2022. Mike Garcia, I mean, look, personal popularity can only take you so far in a heavily polarized America. And Ken Calvert, a lot of people don't like him. He's pretty unpopular down there in the Inland Empire. So... That could have a knock-on effect, a severe knock-on effect, for Republicans' chances to keep the U.S. House majority just in terms of potentially getting outspent by the money machine that is a Democratic donor base. And, And with the House Republican majority as slim as it is, you can't afford to lose those seats because if you lose those seats, just those seats... If you lose four out of the California seats, you're at 218. If you lose those five, if you lose five of the seven in California and everything else holds that Democrats have the majority. So, so you have to see how fraught this situation is and how it could have such a negative impact for Republicans' chances to keep the House of Representatives. But here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get. House Republicans are once again, once again, blaming Democrats for Kevin McCarthy losing a speakership. Yes, they're blaming Matt Gaetz or blaming the eight people they don't call conservatives. They're not calling them Republicans. Look, you allow those people into your conference in the first place. You allow Crane in there. You allow Biggs in there. Like, you allow Lauren Boebert and Paul Gosark, both of them, voted to keep McCarthy in for the moment. Like, you allow them both into your conference. You allow Barry Moore, Marjorie Taylor Greene, in conference. You allow Marjorie Taylor Greene to be close to House leadership. You allow Jim Jordan in your conference, Scott Perry in your conference, Chip Roy in your conference. Like, you cannot go out there and say they're not Republicans. Because newsflash, Mike Lawler, these people are the embodiment of the modern Republican base. Those people are just as Republican as you are, and they're a lot more conservative than you are too, Mike. Like, you can go out there and say you want to expel Matt Gates. Good. All Democrats would probably join you because, <laughs> for for, for differing reasons. But they would join you in expelling Matt Gates, because they also hate Matt Gates too, for because he's a because you see him as Smarmy and also the whole, you know, <laughs> other things about Representative Gates. But you can't go out there and say that, oh, they're no longer Republican because they voted to remove a speaker whom like over half the Republican base sees as a rhino. Like you have to realize that those people who voted to vacate are more in touch with the Republican base than you are. And you have to come to terms with that situation. Like, are you going to go closer to the GOP base? Are you going to try and take your party away from the base? Are you gonna stand up to your base? Or are you going to do what you have been doing every single major vote during the McCarthy Speakership? And that is cave to the demands of the far right. Are you actually going to stand up for yourself Because I don't think you are. And for all this talk about blaming Democrats, like, oh, it's Democrats' fault that McCarthy's gone. May I remind you, you did absolutely nothing to convince any Democrat. That they should vote to keep kevin mccarthy on you didn't make any overtures to them you didn't enter into any negotiations with them as far as i'm concerned you thought you could coast on either republican support or you thought you could coast on democrats saving you for the good of the institution and that argument could have worked if you didn't completely blow up that argument for democrats on the face of the nation on cbs on sunday so look you can blame everybody for it. And I get it. This is a sucky time to be a House Republican. This is a sucky time to be Kevin McCarthy. This is a sucky time to be one of your allies. A motion to vacate you thought wouldn't pass. That Matt Gates himself publicly thought would never pass. Because he assumed that Democrats would vote to keep McCarthy. He assumed that McCarthy would be the Speaker of the Democrats. He wouldn't be Matt Gates Speaker. Well, Newsflash, yes, he's not Matt Gates Speaker. But he's also not House Democrat Speaker. And because enough Republicans said that he wasn't their speaker, Kevin McCarthy is no longer a speaker for anybody. In fact, soon enough, he's no longer going to be in elected office. (laughs) Like, and and you want to be mad at Democrats for your own mistakes. Like, you are mad at Democrats for not solving your intra-party caucus fight for you. Like, tell me, and, like, I, I don't get these arguments. I really, I just do not get these arguments whatsoever. Like, I'll say it, like, yes, I'm a a Democrat, so maybe I'm not the most unbiased person to speak about this. And I fully admit that. But I'm just going off what was being reported by people from like Punchbowl News and from CNN and from Politico. And... A lot of these people, all of these, like, in all these organizations, there are people in there, whether they're journalists themselves or executives, whom I have major problems with. But they all reported the same things. That House Democrats were ticked off at that face-of-the-nation thing. They saw that McCarthy and his allies didn't make any overtures. So, what do you do as a response <laughs> as a response to Kevin McCarthy getting vacated oh we we know how to what, how to solve this we know how to solve this let's kick Nancy Pelosi and Senny Hoyer out of their offices as petty retribution for Kevin McCarthy not being the speaker and I just don't get it look look I'm gonna be completely honest with y'all the Republicans are acting like children Like, they are acting like whiny toddlers who have just learned that they can't get another ice cream cone. And they are whining in public about it, and they are making it everybody's problem. And so, Patrick McHenry, the Republican from North Carolina, west of Charlotte, he made the move to kick Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their office spaces. And this has a bit of precedent this is just Patrick McHenry essentially learning from the example of Tim Moore and kicking out Democrats in their office state Democrats in their office spaces state legislative Democrats and putting them in closets he's just learning from Tim Moore's petty retribution but do you want to know what the most petty thing of this is is that Kevin McCarthy was behind all these booths so he could get Pelosi's office space while nancy pelosi is in san francisco mourning the loss of one of her best friends senator diane Feinstein, sign how absolutely cowardly can you be to not even do this to pelosi's face while pelosi's in dc seriously And Pelosi and Hoyer are saying, quote, this is just retaliation for Democrats siding against you. Garrett Graves just recently, as I'm talking about this, about 20 minutes ago, he said that, well, quote, he said the deal is the office of Pelosi right now is the office of the preceding speaker. You know, Pelosi and Democrats say they wanted a new speaker. So McCarthy's the preceding speaker. So he gets that office. But Garrett Graves then blames Democrats. Like, oh, they created the situation. No, Democrats did not create the situation. Kevin McCarthy created the situation in January. During the negotiations, you all agreed to the rules package, which stated that the threshold for a motion to vacate is that one representative, any one representative from either party could bring about a motion to vacate. And you came to the House Freedom Caucus. You gave them the power to have you ousted at their pleasure and this is just a result of that power being exercised so look I know that Republicans are not in the most stable of emotional states because Kevin McCarthy got ousted and they're blaming everybody from Matt Gates to House Democrats to probably the chef who cooked them the wrong form of sloppy Joe I get it I get it like, a couple of House representatives, like Ann Wagner in Virginia Fox, Missouri, North Carolina, respectively, they were crying about the situation. Like, never expected this to happen. This is the first time in history that a speaker's been vacated. And so, yeah, I understand if you're not sure how to act in that situation. But to essentially go out in this this ball of flames of petty retribution, not only does it not put Republicans in a good light, it just brings further... It just brings further evidence in detail to the chaos that is going on, not just within the House of Representatives, but within the Republican Party itself, that Democrats are just going to use in their 2024 campaign ads, okay? This is only going to help Democrats, and especially Joe Biden, court moderate and moderates and independent voters in his race to be reelected against former President Donald Trump, whom you're all going to support. So. Like, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get why Kevin McCarthy thought that he would be so safe. I don't get why House Republicans are blaming everybody but themselves. Like, remember, again, you agree to that rules package that McCarthy and Scott Perry and Chip Boy and all the others negotiated. You agreed to that. So don't be mad when the Freedom Caucus uses the power that you gave them to fundamentally change the course of the US House of Representatives. Okay? Like, you can't get mad at that. Although, I guess in this case, you can So now there's gonna be a new speaker. There's a few candidates that have come up, and I will cover that in tomorrow's episode. But I'm going to finish this off with this conclusion statement. Kevin McCarthy has ended his political career in the most embarrassing of ways. And he and his allies in the House of Representatives can blame nobody but themselves for why he no longer has a speakership role they can blame nobody but themselves and especially mccarthy can blame nobody but himself for his political career being over just like that that is it for season 2 episode 11 of pulse of the nation once again, I said tomorrow I will be discussing the new speakership election, who could come out on top. Will this go to multiple ballots again? If it goes to multiple ballots, you will hear from me first on the Instagram account, Bulls Podcast, underscore WBA. I'll see you there. Have a great weekend. Any opinions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not represent the thoughts or opinions of 90.7 WVUA or the University of Alabama. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.